Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 218. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pender. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. lot to talk about this week. Whitecaps getting off the start of their, their four-game homestand. Yeah. Getting off to a great start as well. And coming off an international break where you usually see them rusty and not really picking up a result, and they did this time. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't complain about the result. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about the performance and the, the overall match in a moment. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to cover the RSL game tonight. Then we're also going to hear from Tony Chani ahead of next Saturday's game against his old side, Columbus Crew. We're going to hear from Robert Enshaw. We're going to find out if Carl Valentine fancies a chocolate digestive. And most excitingly, in part two, we are hoping to take some live calls. So let's get to the, the big game of the weekend. RSL came to town, left with salty tears running down their face. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a strange game. Had this feeling during the first half when there was that kind of 10, 15 minute spell when the Caps were like peppering the goal and having shots going wide... I just had this feeling that RSL were going to do to Vancouver what Vancouver had done to Orlando a couple of weeks before. All those chances, all those shots, and then nothing to show for it. But the Caps ground out a win, and when I looked at the post-game stats, I was kind of blown away because RSL dominated everything. And to me, it didn't actually feel like that. It, it did feel a little bit of like a back and forth. It felt, uh, it felt, it felt like also RSL when they they showed in the, in the numbers. I think RSL had like two thirds of the possession, basically, or sixty percent of possession, roughly, or whatever, which I think actually helped Vancouver and their counter attacking abilities to to create chances. But it really it did feel like there was chances back and forth. I mean, when you look at the stats. RSL, 18 shots to Vancouver's five. They had eight shots on target. It didn't feel like it. No. Like, like, uh, Vancouver only had five. Vancouver had three, on which were the three goals. But I, I think that the, other than the two big saves that uh, Ousted had in the in those uh, minutes after the second goal, I think that um, I don't think they had – Ousted was too busy. He had 
Um, he do- dove a lot because their shots were close and cl- uh, close hitting the net, but nothing really uh, danger in danger of getting into it. Did you say after their second goal? After uh, Vancouver's second goal, there was a period where he made the save going down to the post, uh, knocked it out, and then kicked it out as well. Not only knocked it down, but kicked it out, and that's when Tim Parker kind of. Uh, stepped on his knee, and then he made that save where he dived up and knocked the ball away uh, off the ensuing corner. Well, let, let's kind of look over the game then. Let, we'll start with the lineup. Good place to start. I liked it. To me, the only surprise in it really was Bernie Abini out in the right wing. I thought Alfonso Davies may have got the shout just to add a little bit of space uh, or speed on the wing and create some space on that wing. But Abini came in got two assists. And when you're looking at that lineup that was out there, there's going to be some changes in the, the busy weeks that's coming up and we've got three games in, in eight-day periods. But I feel that is the lineup that Robo is going to think is his first-choice lineup going forward. I, I think Bola was injured, right? He had a, yeah. Bola he had has a, an knee injury. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think he would have been in there um, for Bernie Beanie. I think the... Um, I think. Other than that, I think th- th- I agree with you that this looks like it's going to be the lineup going forward. Yeah, I'm, I would agree. A- aside from Bola replacing Bernie, th- this this is probably the. Which I don't know if he will though, like all the time. I, I think they'll alternate. I don't yeah. think, especially with the uh, congestion of the fixture. And also, we don't know how bad that knee injury is yeah. because he has missed a. He had that knee issue at the start of the year right. that they had real trouble diagnosing as to exactly what was wrong, and. There's been no word as to exactly how bad it is. He was on the bikes doing stuff, just rehabbing on Friday. So at but, least he can move uh, it. No, no. If he's on the bike, then it's not. It's not a serious injury. It's more of a probably a niggle than anything. But I'm no. I don't play a doctor. I, 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 I would think that this would be the preferred starting eleven, minus what the new Nigerian midfielder might contribute. But for the players yeah. we've actually seen, sure, yeah. It was a fast start by the Whitecaps. Couple of chances early on. Spectacular bicycle kick attempt by Freddie Montero that I think if that had gone in might have been one of the goals of the season. But then the Caps took the lead. Nice little move. Ibini got a second assist. Jake Nerwinski, who had a fantastic game and we'll come to him later and some of the individual players, sent the cross in. The bug, bit hard. Boom. 1-0 yeah, White Caps. He, got, he, he made space for himself, got away from all the defenders. He was basically sitting there all by himself. Um, I was kind of worried that he took the shot right away and didn't settle it and shoot it, but he did the right thing, I guess, and he got it. Romano, I felt like he got a, a little bit of it, or did he not? I wasn't sure. I couldn't tell in the replay. I think he, I think he might have got a piece of it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, before going to break down the goal, we need to go back to the beginning because yeah. it was like a 10, 10, passing, 10 passes in the, in the Which in is the, rare which for is, the way which is, which is nice to <laughs> yeah. see. But um, Jake had the ball on the right and played it into midfield. Into into the bug. Yeah. The bug received it, and as he received it, he was being challenged by... Um, Beckerman or... No, Sonny. Sonny, Sunday. And he kind of, yeah, he kind of shook him on on the turn, turns up field, and then what happened is as the play developed, because he lo- because he he was cutting inside, basically, and he lost the central midfielder, um, I might pronounce it, it's Rusnak, right? Is yeah, I think it? so, yeah. Okay. Rusnak, who's on the left, came in to try and help, but the bug, just his pace... Uh, he went past Rusnak. So Rusnak was kind of inside. He was out of position. And Christian recognized that. Yeah. So what Christian did with them was he he saw Bernie on the side. He knew that the left side of midfielder was out of position. And he knew Jake was going to overlap. 
So he played the ball to the right side where he knew there was going to be an overload. And then he made a, he made a run. No one stayed with him. Rusnick, Rusnick kind of like started pointing like, oh, someone kind of pick him up. Yeah. Beckerman never picked him up. He sort of delayed his run. Glad was the closest to him, but he didn't really move up no, either. He was because, more, because he held back so yeah. much. And Glad yeah. was kind of dropping, dropping deep. And then it was a right-footed finish. And it was weird because er, – not weird, but earlier, early in the game, his earlier chance in the game was also right-footed. And then he dragged it wide. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's because it's his right foot. But then this was like – what was nice. It was a nice finish. Yeah. But also, and maybe we'll talk about this more in the game as a whole, Nick Raimondo, he's looking, uh, Michael, you might say he looks past his sell-by date. He looks past his prime. He isn't the Nick Raimondo that deserved to win all the goalkeeper of the year things that he never, ever got. Which is a whole other thing, but... Yeah, I think he's seen better days. Yeah, Marius Rode had his number. Yeah. <laughs> he told me that at training, Marius did. But then I don't really think we are in a position to criticise goalkeeping performances when you then look at how RSL drew level not that much later. I mean, the, the Caps took the lead. I thought, this is it. We're going to go on and, and dominate this game now. Then out of nowhere, yeah. big blunder by David Oustead. Although you do have to blame the turf, that bounce was horrible, but he had no idea where the ball was. And and the thing is, it's hard to tell because you would want him to push it a little bit further out, but he wasn't able to, I guess maybe because the angle and the, he was expecting to be a header and it turned out to be a shot because it was really a cross into the the striker at the top. Um, And then he, he kind of, just palmed it, just got got his hand on it, and then he just bounced and then a backspin into the net. Mike, that, that, yeah. Michael, are you are you kind of saying this is a howler? I think it is. Yeah. Okay. I think no, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think it was. I, I really didn't didn't feel there was. It was Gobo an, it described was, it as a very bad goal. Oh. Well, just because it's to, a bad goal doesn't mean a, it's a goalkeeper's fault for that. It's just a bad goal to go in. Okay. So. Hmm. It, so the keeper was put off by a, a guy going to head it and the guy misheading it, right? If he had gone for Yura, Yura getting a touch, he looks a fool going the other way. I, I don't just blame Ousted, though. I do blame Harvey for not reacting quicker. I'm not sure he would have got to it, but he started to move and then stopped. Stop, he's yeah. like, oh, it's okay, David's got it. From behind the net, watching the game live, I was like, oh, he's, he's made a great save now. He's just going to collect it. And it was like... The heart just sank. It was yeah. just like, oh no! But he had no idea where it was because he got up and he's like looking around yeah. and and then I, the spin, the spin, like you said. From yeah, uh, I do put it down to a goalkeeper blunder. Though. Really, I do. No, he doesn't have respect for goalkeepers. Yeah, no, he has no respect for you, Steve. <laughs> um, I, I think it's harsh to to to, uh, to me to me of the two goals. I am harsh of the two goals, and we'll talk about more in a minute. The second goal was there's far more to be disappointed and frustrated about than the first goal. It, it, it also, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah. No. I mean, one one at half time. Then we get into the second half. The Caps obviously had a bit of a kick up the ass because it's like you're saying to them, "Look, this you can't lose this game. You can't drop points in this game. You have to take all three points." And they came out. They reacted well. It's what Robbo's always talking about. He wants to see how they react when different things happen. So they came out, retook the lead. Nice, was another set piece goal. Caps leading the the league in goals from set pieces. The second phase of a set piece. Yeah, but nice header from Timmy Parker. Yeah, right. He's Mister Unfortunate. He's never going to get goals. It's like either they crash off the woodwork, or there's a spectacular save, yeah. or Freddie Montero gets the credit. <laughs> 
but he got up well to get that, and then the ball came to Kendon. What a strike! I, that showed great composure to composure. keep it down. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't get flustered. He took it down, took its time, and just slotted it home. So it was. Yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting. Um, again, this Romando looked awful, both live from where I was standing, and then watching it back. He should have done like he should have done better. He should, have, if not, got a hold of it. He should have put it around the post. Yeah, it, it was it was awful. But yeah, nice header by Timmy Parker, and then Kendall's finish again live. I thought, oh great. And when I watched later, watched the replay, I was like, that was a little bit tighter, a little bit closer to, you know, maybe not going in. But also again, it was his left foot. So you had Tachera scoring with his right foot. Yeah, you had Kendall scoring with his left foot. You had Wingert scoring with he's left footed. He scored with his right. Kendall scoring with any head though, or anything that's not his head, it's like you're impressed by. Yeah. I would love to see him just get a, a stint as striker. I know he, we've seen it occasionally and he's done it a couple of times in Costa Rica. I just think it'd be fantastic. Well, he did it when he was younger, right? Yeah. Pre-season game, just sh- shove him up. Yeah, you're short on strikers, why not? We, yeah. we, we've seen it. Joe the, Cannon's it, been up there. We've yeah. seen it in the past in desperation. He, Marco should have passed to him at that game. At <laughs> um, he, we've seen it from him in the past in desperation yeah. at the end of matches in, in tight situations. I mean, after that, there wasn't really any looking back for the, the Caps. And then they, they added the third. Well, before no, before that, though. Oh, yeah. Actually, we should go back because. David save. Yes. It was huge. Double save. The the two separate ones or yeah. the one where he well, saved no, and kicked save, away? Because he saves it on the line at the post. And, and then, then he kicks it away. It away. So, to me, that's a double save. I almost wrote down double save. But I was like, no, he saved it and then cleared it. That's still a double save. Okay. Now, you like goalkeepers. I like spectacular scrambles about in the box. But it was dodgy for a moment because t- yeah. it looked like Timmy maybe stepped on him or... But the, but the ensuing uh, corner, which came a couple, just a couple of minutes later because they had to work on his knee, um, he came up Another with a huge save. save. Like, save. just oh. dove up and just adjusted his hand midair yes. and then made, he knocked it away. A couple of good photos of that on AFTN if you check out our story and pictures. Tom got a couple of good pictures yeah. of the, the two saves one save, one clearance at Tom, the post, and then the, the tip over as well. Tom's great. He's like the unsung hero of the AFTN crew. He is. Talking about Tom, if you are free, we'll, we'll do this near the time, but after the Colorado game, he's not going to be able to shoot the Colorado game for what? us. He has his own, his very first photography exhibition that night. Cool. Oh. I can't remember where it is, but we, <laughs> we will tweet it out, and we'll remind you near the time as well. But there is free absinthe. Mm. He's got a license to serve absinthe. As we all know, absinthe makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> so man. speaking of uh, the double save, obviously RSL, uh, you know, regretted those two, uh, you know, capitalizing on those because, like you said before, Vancouver did get at a third. Um, fantastic play by Jake. Um, taking the ball away from Plata, who yes. kind of crumpled <laughs> yeah. to the turf. Looking for the foul. Yeah, looking for the foul. Didn't get it. And then it got it to Abini in, in the box. And Abini just did a little short cross, very light cross into the... Well, it was in the air. Well, he didn't even look up, right? Yeah, he no. Just, he just... He put the ball well, in he a might dangerous... Have seen, he might have seen a glint of the uh, that I color hair that... Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think he did. Michael can verify. I don't think he did. I think he just put the ball no. in a dangerous position. I'm saying peripheral vision. That puffy hair might have just... He might have seen it in no. the uh, side I, of I the... I thought he said he had post-match comments where he was like... No, I didn't see him. I just put it in a good spot. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want to mention the puffy hair. He just no. he wants to be <laughs> But a bu- and then a bullet header, yeah. reminiscent yeah. of the new the the new Man City light victory. Yeah. No. His third goal of the season and his third match winner. Yeah. Yep. Impressive stuff. So I mean it's three one. Then you bring on Alfonso to run at them. 
he had a couple of exciting moments, but still times where he could have done better. One where he really should have passed to Freddie. And I don't think Freddie was very happy with that. No, I think that he, if he he looked like he had the shot, he should, he, he's going to take that. He did have that's, a shot. That, that's a shot. He, there was there was one time too just, where he he was. You're for some reason concerned about Freddie Montero's goal bonus. I don't know. You're yeah. not you're not getting any cut of it. <laughs> you're just like concerned about Shh, that. He hey, wants we, to sell shirts. Oh, okay. We don't know that I'm not getting a cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why sell my t-shirts? <laughs> Every time he scores a goal, I get, I sell a Freddie F and Montero t-shirt. Sure. Just ten for today. But, but Al- Alfonso did unfortunately play a role in the second goal. Yes, I mean it looked like the cats were home and dry, and then they made it nervy for themselves, yes. letting Arasel get back into it. Another fullback goal, first for ever Arisel. goal for him. Yeah, it's like way to break all these records for. I think Wingard hadn't scored in years or something like that since twenty ten. I think. Yeah, it was. And, yeah. Then, and then he so but it was another poor goal to lose. Alfonso so. tries to pull a trick uh, in his own. His own defensive third. Yeah, it comes off. Looks like it comes off, but then he loses possession. Yeah, very unfortunately. Um, and then something crazy happens. Jordan Harvey, that he I guess was worried about Rusnak, and all of a sudden he kind of comes charging out of the back line to try and close down Rusnak because he thinks the ball's coming to him. Yeah, and as he does, the ball goes to Savarino, and Savarino just plays a nice ball over the top for Beltran. Who Breck Shea Breck, allowed him to get inside of him. Breck Shea reminds everyone why he's not a fullback, <laughs> right? I, I personally, uh, I, earlier before when the substitution was made, I, and even at, especially then, I thought Marcel De Jong would have so been a better. I was, yeah. Yes, I want, if you're going to get a defensive player, you get Marcel De Jong. Yeah, I, want, I really want to see Shea, Marcel. If you want to bring Breck Shea and put him at in Montero's spot at that point or any point. You well, he's not an only striker, but sure. Yeah, but I'm just I know saying, saying. I know yeah, saying. he could yeah. kind of kill the game up there, maybe or something. Yeah, it was it was th- like so. You talk about the two goals, Michael. Like for me, that one far more. Would I like? They're going to watch that and say we cannot let this happen. And, yeah, and I, I think all three of those dudes will be holding up their hands and saying, "I'm well, sorry, I mean, we got it wrong. We we were poor." Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that they can't let happen. Those, and I still don't think they can keep giving up as much possession and as much shots because some team is going to punish the hell out of them. Well, that was what, like the 83rd minute, and, and, and as I was re-watching things, I just wrote a note, I said, they really need to learn how, and we've talked about yeah. this before, they need how to learn how to close out a match. Like, they gave up so many chances, they gave up so much poor, they gave up, they gave away possession too cheaply, too poorly on a number of occasions, and then, like, even situations like near the end of the game, they, they, they were gifted a corner, and they put, like, th- three or four guys in the box, yeah. And and then like well, you should have killed the game. You should have just taken it in the corner and just sat there. It was TFC it all over again. Yeah, yeah, dude, except it, was, except it wasn't. Thankfully. It was it was feeling like yeah. that a little bit. So that's some of our thoughts on the match. Let's hear a little bit now from both head coaches. We're going to hear from Carl Robinson, and then I headed to the RSL locker room this time. We kept Steve in the home locker room, and I spoke to Mike Petke. Although I cut what I asked him out, but we're going to hear some of their stuff. So here's both the coaches. Nice run going here with your team, but are you particularly pleased you're getting contributions from all over the lineup, from the bench, from the back end, from you know pretty well everybody you dab on the shoulder? <laughs> yeah, I am. That's what teams do. I said we're we're not a team that's we've got talented individuals, but collectively, uh, if we're going to be successful this year, I've said it from day one, 
this season. I said from day one I took the job that we're going to do it with a team ethic. And if anyone ever thinks that they're more bigger than the team, they won't be here. So it's nice when that happens because they've got a great spirit and camaraderie amongst themselves. And when you work hard, you get the rewards. If you train properly, you play properly. And I think you saw a committed group today. I think we were, we were naive at certain times. We gave up a bad goal when the game was comfortable for us. Then we responded at half-time, credit to the guys, and go 3-1 up, and we give another bad goal away. Uh, but we don't go under. I said it's, I'm proud of them because we don't go under against a good team. By the way, Mikey's done a great job since he's gone in there, and you know they've, um, they're fighting for their lives. They've got nothing to lose, and it's, it's hard to play against a dangerous team like that with so many attacking options. Kendall, I mean, he played 90 minutes you know, booked twice for Costa Rica, comes in, scores. Yeah. You know, what, what can you say about his performance? Did you say played twice or booked twice? I oh, played twice. I thought you said book twice. I said, "Yeah, played." Nah, Kendall wanted to play. You know, it's it's a, it's a catch twenty two because you have international dates, and the international players go away. And and Bola come back and he picked up a knee injury, which was which was not great for us. Um, Stefan was shattered, Marinovic was shattered, so he wasn't able to, you know, even put himself in contention either. And uh, I asked Kendall how he felt, and he said he was great and wanted to play. I want players like that. Sometimes he will play, sometimes he won't. I thought he was probably played 80% uh, of where he should be because he was a little bit tired and understandable. So, but when the ball's coming in the box, um, you know, I don't want anyone else in there but Kendall and Timmy. About David's response, I mean, obviously a tough first, first goal, and then he comes back with two great saves. Yeah, that. two big saves. That's what you want your players. Every player makes mistakes. They, they do, and it's, it's how they respond when they make mistakes. And if you're a goalkeeper, unfortunately, when you make a mistake, it usually leads to a goal. So um, I said to him at halftime, we need to make sure we're switched on, our focus is right, and um, let's get at it, get after it. And, and we did. So that's pleased me the most. But that's gone now, three points. Yeah, great, but... Big game on Wednesday for us. The team has gotten stronger as the season's gone on. Is that kind of the plan that you had at the beginning of the year to kind of build up to a strong playoff run, or is it just something that just happened? Well, I would have liked that. Uh, it, it probably just happened. I would like to have won the first 15 games of the season, but that didn't happen. You know, we, we put a lot of focus into Champions League. We know that, and we went as far as we could. Um, and we had to reset after the disappointment of, of maybe coming up one step too short. So... We just refocused. Uh, the guys have got healthy. Jordi, you see Jordi coming into his own now and playing. I don't think he was brilliant today, but he gets in the box. He's a little terrier. We know that. I thought the two wide players showed lots of energy and lots of quality in the final third, and, and the substitutes made a difference. So it's going to take, you know, by committee to get results, and it did today. It was a perfect example. You know, if it, if it was that easy that you prepare for a team precisely in knowing what they're going to do, uh, if it was that easy to just to accomplish that, you know, it'd be the most boring sport in the world. It'd be zero-zero every game because everybody would get it right. Um, I think that we reacted a lot well to some of their goals, uh, at least one or two of their goals, uh, but they just executed on it. You know, but at the end of the day, um, they played exactly how we thought we, they would. Um, we, for large chunks, played the way we wanted to. It's just that the quality for some reason from certain players, you know, off a pass here, off a pass there, a mistouch here, a little bit out of position, uh, those things happen, you know, but, but great resiliency and grit for them, for us to come back. We had opportunities to get the, the, the tying goal and possibly even a winning goal, uh, but it wasn't on the night. How hard is the road ahead here for your team? Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult, but again, San Jose loses today. Um, Dallas has a very tough game tomorrow, um, so it's still within our reach, you know, and it's not a cliche. I mean, if we were 
if we were six, six, seven, eight points out, be a bit different. I mean, we're, we're right there. I think we're, Dallas loses tomorrow, you know, and San Jose had lost today. I mean, we're, we're still three points pretty much, three, four points. So um, it really comes down to us. The opportunity is presenting itself for us, and we need to step up and grab it. Going back to the final few games here, so just to reiterate, you're saying you're not done yet. No, you, no. mathematically we're well into it, well in it. Uh, you know, I mean, if, it's so close that if we win tonight, if we won tonight and win and we win against Portland and every other team lost, we could be second first place. I think. What are we? Six points behind? Seven. Seven, seven points behind first place. I mean, you know, the only thing that going against us is that we played a couple more games. I think it's coming close to even that out. But I mean, we have two games coming up at home. Uh, we have three games at home left, and we have two games on the road. So. You know, we have to take care of our business and hopefully rely on some other teams like today. San Jose helped us out. Hopefully tomorrow Dallas helps us out. Uh, and then it goes from there. I know Vancouver has a bit of a tough schedule coming up. Uh, so we're still well in the thick of it. Caps has some very quick forwards up front there to share on Reyna. Yeah. What was your game plan trying to stop him up front? Well, that's why we sat a bit. De- you know, I did tonight what I don't like to do. You know, when I came in here, I was very adamant and clear about how I like to play, and it's not sitting back. That's that's a that's a last resort. Uh, but the way Vancouver plays, they're very direct. They like to get the ball wide, whipping crosses. They're number one in the league in set piece goals. They're number three in total crosses, and they're next to last in in, in possession. So they're a very direct team. So yeah, their speed was in diff- what, what was was an issue coming in. That's why we sat a little bit deeper back, um, and we knew we thought knew. Yeah, we knew because it did. The game would open up eventually. We wanted to get through the first 15 minutes without, you know, conceding anything, which we did. Um, and then, uh, you know, but again, the, the, their goals were things that we worked on. And I'm not pointing the finger at my players. You know, I'm just saying that we knew what, what to expect. The gaffers there talking about the RSL-Vancouver game yesterday. It was a game that saw Vancouver extend their unbeaten run to four matches. Only lost twice now in the last ten games. And you still don't feel they're playing their best football, but yet their destiny is in their own hands. It's kind of incredible. Or as uh, George McFly would say, their density is in their hands. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, nice. I love That was great, Steve. Who, who would you say is your man of the match? For Marty me. McFly. <laughs> For me, I'm gonna. I, I gotta go with Jake Nowitzki. Um, I thought he just he, he he played so well defensively. I thought he I thought he flew up the up the field when he needed to. I, I think he's right now uh, for a young player. I'm, I'm going to give him the credit because he is a young player and uh, limited experience. Although he doesn't seem like he's playing with it, so he's my man of the match. Too. For me, I'm going to go with maybe not surprisingly Kendall Waston. I think he, uh, he's a strong ba- number two for me. Yeah. yeah, not 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 just for scoring a goal, but if you look at this, the mo- like the first or second moment of the second half when he poked that ball away from Euro when Euro was in alone, um, and yeah, his overall his overall defensive play. Yeah, for me, it's between those two. Although I thought Tishira had a, a good first half as well, but then kind of dipped a little bit. Reyna was good too. Waston got the man of the match, but I'm going to go with Steve. I'm going to go with Nerwinski. Robo said afterwards he felt it was his best match as a white cap. Nerwinski as well was really happy with how things went. Two assists from the lad. 
you have to feel that he's made that starting right back position his own and we'll, we'll see that going forward. So that is all the chat about Vancouver versus RSL. We're going to be joined, hopefully soon, by Jonathan Tannenwald, calling in from Philadelphia, friend of the show. Going to have a little chat about MLS and how he sees their run into the season going. Are you there, Jonathan? Either it worked or it didn't, and I guess it did. Well, you seem to be live on air, so thank you for joining us. Hey, you know, I was thinking that... uh... Even most of the time when I'm on the West Coast, I'm asleep by the time the show goes on air. <laughs> yeah, we, Thank you for doing it earlier than usual. Well, thank you for being our first ever phone guest. We, we did have Zach on the phone, but that doesn't count because he's a host on the show. But you are our first proper guest on the phone, so thank you for calling in. After how long? Oh, well, we're at episode 218, so quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> we have had you on before. People know you very well on Twitter as the goalkeeper. Um, we thought we'd just chat to you a little bit about MLS, especially stuff that's happening in the East, because we're obviously a very West Coast bias, so we we don't talk a lot about the East. But it does look like TFC are kind of running away with everything. Do you see any team stopping them making the MLS Cup? It's a fascinating question. I actually been I've been thinking about it a little bit in the last few days because. I've just been thinking about how this Toronto, te- how this Toronto team, and all of the people in it, from Greg Vanny, you know, to Garth Lagway, the whole, I mean, sorry, Bill Manning, the whole, the whole structure of that organization is built to see if it's possible to do the double in 2017 of the Supporters Shield in the playoffs, and. You know, do I think Atlanta could stop them? Maybe. Do I think New York City FC could stop them? Maybe. You know, do I think that? You know, they're, they're, if if they have to go on the road for the MLS Cup final, could that be a problem? And even if it's a one-off in Toronto, who knows? But they've done almost. Every, they, they've been designed for the purpose of seeing if it is possible to do everything right in MLS with all of the rules and restrictions that there are. And so far, they seem to be doing it. It's hard, to, for me anyway, to, to see anyone stopping them at least getting to, to the cup final. And it looks like if they did that, they, they would obviously host it. Now, when you do look at the, the rest of the East, it, it also kind of seems like the West is very evenly matched. There's so many teams in the playoff hunt just now. The way results have gone... Dallas seemed to now be in a battle with San Jose and, and RSL, which a couple of weeks ago you, you thought those two teams were possibly out of it. In the East, though, all year, it seems to have been a, a certain number of teams that seems to be really comfortable, and there seems to be a big gap between the best in the East and the rest of the East. Well, and I thought Chicago was at the top group for a while, and now they're yeah. running. Um, and New England isn't out of this thing either. The, the one team I can't figure out yet is Columbus. And the reason why I can't is because they're in fourth place. They're capable, certainly, of winning games, but they've played more games than anybody else. And I just I don't know who the odd team out is going to be in the end. I keep thinking Montreal is on track and is going to you know, end up in the playoffs. 
and then they slip up. So I don't know what's going to happen. But the one team I would be the most scared of is Atlanta. They looked good today. Have to say that. Yeah, they are the team that has the firepower to beat anybody. I'm not sure they have the defense to beat anybody or the offense to beat anybody. And their, their new stadium as well is going to give them a big boost, you have to feel. I think it will, with one exception. They're going to play 24 games in eight days, I think is what it is. Oh, sorry, really? eight games in 24 days. Oh, okay. I was yeah, like, wow. Eight, <laughs> yeah, right. no, sorry. Uh, backwards. It, it's, it, it's late at night over here. Sorry. Uh, they're going to play eight games in 24 days. And that's going to test their depth. Because you can't play everybody in all. True. So, I, I, you know, if they get to the playoffs and they get a home game, obviously they're going to be terrified. And you know, could, I, could I see them going into Chicago and possibly knocking them off? I wouldn't rule it out. Could I see them beating Columbus in Columbus? I wouldn't rule that out either. But I don't think, any, I don't think anybody's going to stop Toronto, and I think we are witnessing – you know, as I said a few minutes ago, the answer to the question, can you build a team that does absolutely everything right? I think we're about to find out. Jonathan, uh, Zach Meisenheimer here. I'm just wondering, uh, what do you think about the possibilities of the two, well, let's call them New York sides, uh, matching up or meeting up together in the, in the playoffs in a, in a home and away series? Is that? I'd love it. Yeah, is that something MLS is kind of looking forward to? I thought it was, I, look. I mean, I think a lot of us thought it was going to happen last year. And then it didn't. Yeah. Um, I, was, I, I was in New York the day that both teams were home in the conference semifinals. And because of the television considerations, they ended up playing back-to-back of the, you know, the four games in the quadruple header. I think they were the second and the third. Yeah. And everybody from Washington to Boston, who had any interest in going to New York that weekend, wanted the games to be spread out just enough so that we could go to both. And you couldn't really, which was a shame. It was unfortunate. Because I think it would have really, I think, gotten attention in the New York area. And there would have been some people who would have gone to both who were, and, and perished this thought, I apologize for uttering some foul words on this radio show, but who are casual fans. Um, look, a, 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 a Hudson River Derby in the playoffs would be electric. Um, it would certainly get attention. It would give, you know, the coverage of MLS in New York a shot in the arm. Everybody's waiting for it. And I certainly think it's possible. Um, you know, New York City has, has pulled away enough at this point that it wouldn't be a, a knockout round game. But over two legs, it would be a lot of fun. Now, we'll talk to you about the the West in a sec, but I have to ask you about Philadelphia. Oh, you have to. Jeff. Yeah, I just have to. I mean, what happened to them this season? Their team isn't good enough. They don't have good enough players. So they're in next to last place in the East. because. Is this the end or the demise of Jim Curtin? Well, look, there's a lot of fans in Philadelphia who want that because... The carnal instinct of folks in this town is to fire the coach when things go wrong. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I look at this organization that has only ever once in its history spent a million dollars on a player. And, 
you know, I look at where the rest of MLS is going, and you all and your listeners know that I have covered this league, not only the Philadelphia Union, but this league for many years. And I've watched the trends, and I've followed the money, and I've, you know, I've seen where things are going and where things are now. And the Union just do not spend enough money on their first team to be competitive. I think we can relate to that here in Vancouver. Well, you can. I mean, no, no, we ha- we have success, though, by not spending money. Well, and look, you also you also have, I think, a, a couple of things that that the union don't have. One is a, an academy of longer standing that has produced a greater base of players because of that. And two is, frankly, a lot more pressure to win than the union have on. You know, the union are way down the pecking order locally behind not only a bunch of pro teams, but a bunch of college teams. I know I've said that on this show before, Michael. Whereas the yeah. Whitecaps, you know, they are, they are smack in the middle of downtown at D.C. Place. And even though nobody covers them for the local newspapers anymore, which is a pet peeve <laughs> of mine, as you guys know, um, you know, you have, you have Cascadia to the south and Toronto to the east. So there's pressure, and there's a history of, success and and you know what i like to call bigness of soccer in vancouver and of the whitecaps specifically so you know there's that matters and that has an impact here locally not probably in it's probably not in the minds of well like you said the casual fan but there's definitely discussions debate over the return on the investment uh, over the last decade in the, in the residency program here. But it is important. It is definitely important to have, to have it and have the structure that goes with it. Um, that, yeah, that teams like Philadelphia don't have. Well, uh, Philadelphia is building this up now. You know, it's been around for a couple of years now and it's produced a couple of decent players, but you know, you guys have certainly a head start on it. And, you know what? I, what I I from you know five thousand miles away or whatever it is. Would I like to see the Whitecaps keep some of these players around and play them instead of loaning them out? You know, by the by the baker's dozen or whatever it is at this point. Um, probably I would, but at the same time, you know, I look at Jordi Reyna and Christian Bolaños and 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 some of these other players and say I'm not taking them off the field. Sure. I don't have to. So. That, that's fair. If um, if there's a spotlight on Jim Curtin, how what is the what is the view of, of Ernie Stewart's role there in in Philadelphia? Yeah, well, could, that's the, that's part of the thing, you know. For you know, Curtin will admit that he is not the most tactically savvy coach in the history of mankind, and that he is still learning. He took the U.S. Soccer Pro Coaching License, and I don't. I, I wrote about this at the time when he did it. I don't know what it means to actually to actually commit an act of coaching in soccer. I still have yet to figure that out. Now I'm sure I'll get you know lit up by by soccer coaches and such on Twitter like that for not knowing anything. And I will say I don't. That's the point. What is the act of soccer coaching? It's not like football where you're calling plays or basketball, you know, or hockey where you're managing substitutions and things like that. You're picking a lineup and they have to go out there and perform. And if you don't have as good players as the other team, then you're probably going to get beat. But what Jim Curtin has working in his favor is two things. One, I would say probably 
close to 30, if not above 30, of the 32 players that are around, like him quite a bit and understand that it's not his fault that they're not getting the results. And that was not the case for John Hackworth, who was his predecessor, who had a core of players who liked him, but a core especially of foreign players who didn't. And that really, you know, there's a couple players who I think Jim Curtin doesn't get along with. But that, ha- you know, there, you will rarely find a perfect locker room in that regard. Huh, yeah, but huh. the, veteran, the, the veteran international guys, that like, especially Harris McGunion, loves Jim Curtin, thinks he's great. So if Ernie Stewart fires him, the pressure's all on Stewart to go out and find a coach who can succeed in MLS, which, as we know, is a very particular kind of beast. And if you fire this, if you fire Jim Curtin, as I think the logic would have gone for Carl Robinson too, over the in the you know the times when people thought he ought to get thrown out. If you fire the coach, you are implying to your fan base that you believe your roster, as currently constructed, can win a trophy which the union cannot. And then if you then go out and give Curtin's replacement a pile of cash, I'm going to ask why they didn't give Jim Curtin the pile of cash, give him a chance to spend it, and then if he doesn't succeed, fire Yeah. Roster building in the MLS is a a strange beast. I once heard uh, Ziggy Schmidt say that you're basically almost rebuilding your roster every year because there's usually 10 players who transition in or out. Um, Ziggy's now with the Galaxy. Are you okay if we make a transition to uh, some perspective on the West? You can, it's your show. You can take wherever you want. Well, looking at the West, Cascadia ruling the roost. Top three spaces. Uh, top three. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. I, you want to see? I, I threw this out on Twitter last night. And Michael, I, you know, uh, Rick Laws at, at Major League Soccer got back to me and said that June of 2015. Yes. Was the last time the three Cascadia teams were at the top of the West like this. Yeah, I saw his reply, and I mean, it's it's great from a Cascadian rivalry point of view. I do wonder how the rest of the league, especially the rest of the West, look at it, and whether they're just thinking, oh, here we go, it's going to be more non-stop Cascadia stuff. Because I do get the impression that people out with Cascadia think that we're a little bit too upper selves, that we think we're oh, too really? important. Yeah, so. I've I just, can't fathom that. Yeah, I don't know how anyone would get that that idea at all. But from what you've looked from afar in the West, how? Well, first of all, Vancouver. How how do you see us finishing the the season? Are you confident that we're going to get a good playoff berth? Do you think we've got enough in us to actually win the West? I think it's completely up for grabs. You know, forty-one points with three games in hand over Portland pretty big, and two games over Seattle. I have no idea how it's going to end up. Um, what I do know uh, is this, and I think it's something that I said to, to you and some other folks while I was out there early in the year, um, which is Jordi Reyna being back makes a huge difference for this team. And, you know, I, we've seen... You know, we've seen now that he's made a pretty significant impact, I think, being out there on the field. And there's enough weapons on this team that, look, they are certainly capable of it. I think Seattle is capable of it, although Jordan Morris getting hurt tonight is a pretty big deal if he's out for a while. And 
I think Portland's certainly capable of winning it, especially when Fernando Adi comes back. I think, and I think, I think a Houston might be a wild card in all of this because they've got some kind of talent, and I think people are underrating them. And I don't know what's happened to Dallas, but they're in complete freefall. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of sport in Kansas City because I just don't know what to make of. For me, I, I, I fancy sport in Kansas City to win the West. I, I don't know what I'm exactly putting into that, but I just feel they have what it takes that might get them over the line. They play attractive football. A lot of people... I got into an argument with, with, with someone on Twitter, which is never a good thing to do, but discussing about how strong the West is this year. I thought it's very strong because all the teams are equal, but they were saying they don't see the West being strong at all, and that's why everyone's taking points off everyone else. From looking in from afar, do you think it's a strong West this year? This happens, this happens every year, and it happened to the East for a long time, where when there's a lot of separation between the top and the bottom, people assume that that conference is stronger than the one where they're all tightly bunched together. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have the statistics in front of me of sort of the East versus the West overall record this year. So I don't know. But you know, other than, than Toronto, I'm not sure any team has particularly distanced itself from the field. I mean, you know, the, the, the West has some dregs in it this year. Yeah. You've got Colorado, you've got Minnesota, you've got the Galaxy who've been shockingly poor. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia Union have more points per game than the Los Angeles Galaxy. <laughs> Which is great. And a better home record, although that, I think everyone's got a better home record across the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'd say this about the West. I, I, think that, I think that the three teams to watch, if Jordan Morris is out for a while, Portland, Vancouver, and Kansas City, if Morris is out for, you know, he, if he's back in early October, whether or not he ends up playing for the U.S. national team in two early two games in early October, if he's back for the Sounders in October, the Sounders are shot. But I'm looking at I'm looking at the, the Whitecaps schedule and sporting schedule, and here's what I see. I see three straight home games coming up against Minnesota, Columbus, and Colorado. That Vancouver ought to be able to sweep. Now that probably means they won't, obviously. But <laughs> if they do, all of a sudden you guys are looking real good, and I might have to get out there on the, on Twitter as I want to do and, and get myself in trouble when I say things like, "Hey, the Whitecaps are winning. Maybe y'all ought to stop complaining that they can't." <laughs> yeah, I do. I do remember your tweet after one of the games asking what we were going to complain about, <laughs> which is basically consistency, which is what we always complain about. But yeah, we do. We do seem to have a very grumpy fan base that just like to complain. We have Zach in well, the studio; he always does. complains. Everybody does. <laughs> so now here's and here's here's why those three games are really important. After that, at Seattle, at Kansas City, at yeah. the Red Bulls, yeah, San Jose at home, and then at Portland on the last day of the season, which could be amazing. That's going right, but but to have to go on the road that much, yeah, at least. At least you've got a week between the trips to Kansas City and New York. And you know, I, don't, I don't know who New York is going to be without. The Red Bulls don't have anybody. Who's, well, they might be. Uh, hmm. No, I don't know who the Red Bulls are going to be without, if anybody, because they don't have anybody really big, I don't think. 
You you guys will be without Watson and Bolaños. Yeah, well, Bolaños right now has a knee injury, which we're, we're not sure how bad it is, but even if he's back, he'll, he'd be away with Costa Rica. Right. But, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very difficult run-in. And I, th- I, this is why getting these points on the board now, I mean, if we can get these four wins or even three wins and a draw from these four games, it really is going to put the Whitecaps in, in a... They're definitely going to be in the playoffs. And they should have a home playoff tie, maybe even a bye as well. So, I mean, that, that that's the good thing. Just before we let you go, give us who your tip is for the actual MLS Cup. Is there anyone going to stop Toronto? I hate making predictions for the Cup winner. Because it really can be such a crapshoot. I know. Um, I'm never right if it helps. Ah. See, I thought I thought you guys were going to grill me about the 2026 World Cup. <laughs> we'll get you on again and do that now that we know the phone line works. <laughs> I, yeah, I've got I've got some opinions on that as as your listeners know. Logic says I should take the field against any one team. You know, if you're going to give me Toronto or the field, Logic says I should take the field. So I'll be the, I'll take the safe bet and take the field. We will we'll go with that then. So no trouble. So no- I would, you know, if if I can, if I can get up there, you know, it, it would. I'd love to have the MLS Cup be on the East Coast because then I could fly up there real quick and fly back. Well, if it ends up being Vancouver, Toronto, I'll fly out to that. It was. It was a. I was. I went last year, and it. I got there. You know, I, I had to fly in Friday night and fly out Sunday morning, so I missed. You know, a lot of the festivities that I would have liked to go to. But my goodness, was that night fun. Even though it was cold, it was a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Jonathan. Our very first phone-in guest. Just before you go, let everyone know where they can find you online. Well, if they haven't yet, I'm on Twitter at The Goalkeeper. And uh, I usually spend my time complaining about various things, and I get yelled at by folks in Seattle and Portland. And your, your colleague, Anna Namshirin, uh, yells at me occasionally, too. She yells at most folk. Well, no, but it's a nice yell. Isn't it's it? a nice yell. Yeah. She's she's always friendly. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Jonathan, and hopefully we'll speak to you soon. My pleasure, gentlemen. That's great. You take care. So that was Jonathan Tanwald there, all the way from Philly, late at night, calling us at one in the morning. I mean, that's that's pretty nice of the guy. It was, and <laughs> that was an unexpected part of the show. So we are going to take some calls from you, the listeners. We're going to do that in part three. But we'll just wrap up this part by asking anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? So, Carol, you're sitting at home at night. What would be your hot beverage of choice, a tea or a coffee? Cup of tea, no doubt. And are you a biscuit person? And if so, what is your biscuit of choice? Uh, digestive, and they've got to be dunked in the tea. And is that chocolate digestive? No, no, oh. no chocolate. Digestive, no chocolate, dunked in the tea, moist. Got to love it. That's great. Thanks so much. Cheers. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? I got really excited there, as you heard, when 
Carol Valentine, the legend, said he wanted a digestive, but it wasn't a chocolate one. I, I was gutted. I was there and I could see the... Yeah, I and I really anything. wish we had kept recording after we had done the segment because we ended up chatting for five minutes about biscuits. It yeah. was fantastic. Well, it was after that first half, which kind of made yes. sense. <laughs> what, what we learned is his dunking technique. He believes that you just dunk in and out, that that gets the best consistency, unless it's an arrowroot biscuit. Yes, in which, which, which is to, what I used to dunk. Yeah, which is Steve's little donkey when I was ki- When I was a kid, yeah. And you have to leave that in a little bit longer because it kind of just it moistens it up a bit. Yeah. Have we talked about the dim sum slam on this? Yeah. No. Oh. Well, we, we did ages ago yeah. when we did our round table, oh, and yeah. then you promised us we were going to do a Tim Tam okay. slam. Well, we can't do it in the studio. Why don't we do one with Tim Parker? Let's go to training one day and do a, a Tim Parker Tim Tam slam. That and we'll video awesome. it too. Well. Yeah. That would be awesome. Okay. So we had Jonathan Tannewald, the goalkeeper, and from Philly.com just before the break there. Check out all his stuff on philly.com. The site is behind a paywall now, but we believe in paying for good content and you get excellent content from Jonathan and from Philly. So thanks so much for him calling in. This segment, we're going to be open to calls and tweets. Uh, But but before we get to the calls, let's let's also talk about the other stuff. Uh, Like, for example, what he was discussing, the MLS and everything. Uh, One thing I forgot to mention the first section, the magic number, for Vancouver to clinch a playoff berth at this point is now 14 points. Basically, it's a, a loss of points by San Jose and a gaining of points with Vancouver. So they're down to 14, which is not, which is pretty close, getting closer and closer to clinching the spot. And then at that point, obviously, they can figure out where they want to, you know, line up in the Western Conference. Especially, especially when there's nine juicy home points sitting on the table. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of, the, one of the things, did he, I, I, I didn't want to rudely interrupt, but did he refer to Toronto as only having a, uh, a double if they won the Shield and the and the MLS Cup? Yeah, I think because yeah. so. it would be a trouble. Well, oh, with the American. yeah, I I've forgotten now about that already. <laughs> well, you blocked it out of your memory, yes. I'm sure, but it would be a trouble, and it would be the first time I think a team has done something like that. Yeah. in North America, it would be impressive. So we're gonna just get through some tweets now. My phone has died. I don't know what's up with the battery, so I've just signed on to Steve's computer here. If anyone has a charger and they can bring... <laughs> yeah, I need it for a Moto G. <laughs> so this is almost like an improv game because I'm sitting, Zach is standing, and Michael's on his knees. Do I have to spell yes. words? Tweet from Angus Walker at Angus Walker on Twitter. He says, we have to stop playing the bug on the left. He drifted to the right to score and had another chance on the right as well. I mean, do you feel his best position is right or left? He is predominantly used, though, on the left. I, I don't think we need to predominantly have him on only on the left or only on the right. One of the things I like about, one of the things I think, I think is important about having quality wingers is that they are interchangeable. And I think I think El Bicho fits that mold. And I think we've seen effectiveness from the left. We've seen it from the right. Um, and I don't, I don't think I, I don't think someone who's so left-footed, although he scored with his right, I don't think someone who's so left-footed, um, cutting across to their their right like that is a, is a bad thing. I mean, Angus follows that up by saying that he started the season on the right, and everyone was saying how good he was. Since he swapped back, he hasn't been as good. Twenty fifteen as well, he was used on the right. 2016, where he wasn't so good, was on the left. So, yeah, I mean, maybe there is something in that. I think part of that also, too, not obviously this last game, has to do with, I think Bola's preferred position is the right wing, which then puts him on the left, even though he is interchangeable as well. 
Um, but it, it's a, it's a, yeah. Looking at the stats, it is a fair, fair, fair comment. Okay, tell you what then. Oh, we got a call. Oh, we've got a call now. So let's move to line one. Hi, you're on the AFT and Soccer Show. Who is this? Uh, it's Chris Corrigan. Hey, Chris Salish C on Twitter. Well, that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's chat with you for a little bit then about the Whitecaps. How, how are you enjoying this season? What were you expecting more from the team, or are, are we really at the level that you were expecting at this point? I think I think it's actually been a, a season of like multiple identities. So I haven't known kind of what to expect the whole way along, you know, and like when we started so far behind the eight ball with the injuries and stuff, I felt like I wasn't sure how we were going to progress over the course of the year. And it didn't, you know, it wasn't looking great. And then it's kind of like, I was just, you know, looking at the table before the match yesterday and I'm thinking, how are we like in the running for a conference championship? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, and I just, and you know, I you know, wrote a piece the other week about how we've been turning over the the uh, the team, and we have like it's a completely different look than we've had in November. And I think like somehow secretly right in front of us and behind our backs and all of this, like this team has completely reinvented itself. I mean, I'm watching a different team than we were watching in March in the in the Concacaf knockout rounds than we were watching in November of last year, and we still had Pedro and Rivero and you know, it's so. I, you know, I haven't known what to expect. I've just taken the wins as they've come, and the losses seem. You know, there's been a few disappointing losses along the way, but I think that in general, you know, I would have expected them to be more disorganized and losing more games in in a kind of that white caps way. But we've actually been winning more games, and you know, and part of it is that the West too is just so weak this year as well that we're we're managing to you know, position ourselves well. But it's been such a strange and interesting year. So I haven't really known what to think. I think I said to Arnie the other day, like, I don't really care how we win. <laughs> um, Just as long as you know, we get that win. As long as we get the win. So, I mean, it's very true. Like, you look at the team that started in March, even into April, and you look at the team that was out yesterday. Bernie Abini's a new addition. Jordi Reyna's back and healthy. You've got... Yeah. Ali Gazal. I mean, he's yeah. I mean, these guys, and, they're, and, and, and to be fair, too, like Marinovich, Nerwinski, um, you know, people we never knew about. I mean, Nerwinski obviously was on the books, but, but Marinovich is in the, in the, in the 18 now. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's quite a uh, – and we, we weren't ever going to be sure how Montero was going to work out as well. And I think Russell Beresford wrote something pretty, pretty good yesterday. They're saying, like, he's the most important player on the team because he, he plays at a position where we have no depth, actually. And he actually does a lot off the ball, and he does a lot to create chances for, you know, the other guys around him to score. And he gets his, he's getting his fair share as well. So he's a very different kind of striker than we've ever had as well, too. And we weren't quite sure how he was going to work out when he came in, too. So, so um, yeah, it's been, it's been just watching and learning, isn't it? Yeah. What's your hopes for the, the end of the season? Where do you see the Whitecaps finishing? And what are you expecting them to do in the playoffs? Well, as a charter member of the Optimist Union, <laughs> I think I'm like expecting them Champs. to. I haven't got a clue. I really haven't. I mean, I just, I just, I'm, I think I'm enjoying myself. You know, I mean, it's kind of an odd feeling. Like, I think I'm enjoying leaving the stadium with wins and uh, not quite knowing where we're going from here. But I do, I have no idea how we're going to do in the playoffs. I can't tell you. Like, it just, I don't know what team will show up. I don't know. 
when, it, when Nosa comes on, I'm not sure how he's going to, you know, be, uh, whether he's going to get time in the in the squad or whether we're going to stabilize around the, the guys we've got now. Um, I mean, I, I can imagine us making a reasonably deep playoff run. Um, you know, cup final, I mean, that would be a shocker given our season, but I'll take it, you know. And like I say, I mean, we're not going to look a, a win in the mouth. So, um, yeah, it's really it's really hard to say. I, it just... I think it's like part of it is like I think we just need to start enjoying this a little bit more. Like I was watching, to be honest, like I was watching last night. I was in the south side um, and I was drumming for the first half. And I don't know, Zach, you guys tweeted out that you you had a really good time. It was really rambunctious over in the curve. The Southsiders last night were just so flat. Like yeah, I, I felt like everybody was just like it was the worst version of Boundary Road we'd ever pulled off. You know, I mean, I'm not even sure what the full minute. And I was just, you know, I was looking around going, what are people doing? And everybody's just looking, just watching um, more with, I don't know, like this kind of detached observation about what's going on. There wasn't a whole lot of passion. So it's like the Caps are winning. We're third in the conference, but we haven't captured anybody's imagination. And, um, you know, at least on our on our side of the south side last night, I don't know what your impression was, Zach. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to Peter after the after the game. Um, after, after cleanup and stuff, and yeah, he was. Um, I'll, uh, I'll say discouraged about yeah. a, a number of things like uh, empty seats, and yeah, he uh, said the exact same thing about Boundary Road um, that it felt uh, not great. Um, yeah, which is which is un- which is unfortunate. I mean, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but like, it is really discouraging that. 2018 won't see a, a group of passionate, like-minded supporters gathered together in, in, a, in a section that they would uh, like to run in, you know, the way that those kind of sections are run all around the world. Um, yeah. So we don't need to talk about that in yeah, detail. Yeah, let's not get into this again. <laughs> but you know what? But, but on, the, on the other hand, too, like, I, I mean, I agree with you about that, about that stuff, too. But I'm actually, like, watching the way, like, this, the character of this season, it's very, it's interesting to me to be thinking about, like, is 2018, would it even be the right time for it in a way because it's i don't know we got to the team is playing in a way that is enjoying some success at the moment um but not generating a ton of passion and excitement you know so it's it's i mean it's difficult to get stuff going uh you know from in sporter sections and everything but you can't really argue with the product on the field at the moment because it's actually getting us you know results that are i think exceeding maybe marginally exceeding people's expectations for the year, maybe significantly exceeding them. I'm not sure. It's just odd. That's all. It's just odd. So when you ask me the question, like, what's your impression? It's like, I don't know. Like, and it's the first season I've been able to say, you know, it's weird. It's just, I don't have a word for it. Yeah. Again, without going into details, I do think next year is the time for it, but obviously that's not going to happen. Yeah. It is, dis- I agree with you though. It is discouraging that um, there have been uh a number of positive things this season for 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 the Whitecaps, and there's not the there's not a momentum building from it. Uh, I I mean, again, we don't want to pull it a laundry list, but I think there's lots of reasons why it is that that way. You're bringing the tone of the show down. It's like the mood suddenly <laughs> oh, dipped. Well, yeah, we got phone calls. Well, let me bring, let me, bring, I mean, let me say one of those reasons, which is interesting. Like we were standing at the um, during the warmups. And uh, singing for players, and make, we had to like double check to make sure who the players were we were singing for. So I think part of it too is that there's this turnover, which is interesting. 
Um, and I'm a little bit excited about it, but we, we don't know these guys yet. Like, we're, we've lost people that have been with the club for a long time, like Kofi and, um, and you know, other people maybe in the offing. But I think that there's a whole bunch of new faces coming in, and we, we don't have a relationship with them yet. And you don't know how they're going to be working together. So I think part of, you know, I do think that there's, like, it's a feeling out period. And I what I tried to capture in a piece that I think I wrote a couple of weeks ago was that this is a really significant shift. Like we've had staff turnovers, roster turnovers in the past, but it feels like this past this month has been a really significant remaking of the squad, but it hasn't been in our face that way. And so we're, we, we find ourselves here in September kind of looking at like a whole new team. And we had in March trying to like acquaint ourselves with who these players are and what they're going to do for us and knowing that they may take us through the playoffs, but we're going to see this team, this particular team, um, they stay together this way under this management. We're going to see them doing something in 2018, which I think is quite a bit different than we would have ever expected at the beginning of the season. So. Well, let's hope so. Thank you so much for calling in, Chris. We finally yeah, got you on the, on the show. <laughs> and you can give Chris a follow on Twitter at SailorC86 and of course read all his stuff on AFTN, which I'm pretty sure you'll have something for us soon. Yeah, I want to figure out what words to use, but I'll uh, something which will be coming into it this week. <laughs> That's great. Thanks so much, Chris. Cheers. Cheers. So we're going to get back into the meat of the show now. A couple of big games coming up for the Whitecaps. Let, let's look at the first one that's coming up. We're going to look at the Minnesota game on Wednesday. United, the mighty United. Yeah, that's an easy three points, right? It should be. <laughs> but yeah. we, we were saying it's an easy three points when we visited them as well. And that didn't turn out to be that easy. It's the Marius Rovd derby. And oh, Michael, Michael Boxall. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to seeing Boxy. Kiwis, so am I, because he's been playing awful. So I can't wait to see him on the pitch. <laughs> Kiwis are taking over MLS. I'm going to ask him if he's going to lead his team in a haka before the, the match kicks off. I still think we should get Stefan Marinovic and Declan Wynn and all those guys to, to do one. Totally. And by do one, I mean do a haka, not just like, hey, do one. <laughs> anyway, Minnesota's coming to town on Wednesday. Not had the, the greatest off-expansion seasons, but not bottom either. No. And yeah. considering Thanks their first Colorado. two games, that kind of shows you just how much Colorado stink. It does. It does. They got a draw today, right? 1-1? One, one? Was it? Minnesota? I don't think Minnesota, Minnesota played. Didn't play. they played oh, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. yesterday. They got a draw yesterday. They might have. I was watching all the goals. It was not a great weekend in MLS. It, it was not. It was for Vancouver, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. For Vancouver, Vancouver, for Vancouver and Toronto, some of the goals were okay. But some of the goals were awful. I mean, Minnesota have struggled. And their, their goal difference is minus 20. But they scored lot- an awful goal. They scored a terrible goal. The whole count, as you keep e- telling me about penalties. Ethan Finley. It was horrendous. No, but the thing is, a lot of that minus 20 came at the beginning of the year, too. Actually. Um, I, I, I'm almost sure of that. Like they were, I think there was a couple of like six nothing losses, or at least one for sure, and a five or four nothing loss. So that, like, if you think of that minus 10 right there, uh, that's early in the year. They kind of recovered a little bit. Yeah. In the, in well, that the, is the thing. They have showed up the defense. Yeah. They scored 33 goals in the year, considered 53. They brought him Boxel. He hasn't been great. He has not looked great. I know you. you I just want to see him. I just want to see him hang out. Yeah, we're hoping to catch up with him as well. It was was better than training for Christian Dean, that's for sure, at this point. (laughs) Oh, we haven't talked about that, have we? It's been a while, but. Yeah. I I haven't, yeah. Yeah. But one road win on the season 
Eight defeats, two draws. I don't like the phrase trap game. I think it's nonsense. Yeah. Um, but you can be pretty sure it's going to get thrown out by people I think, this week talking I about it. I think it's rubbish, that, that trap game phrase. I, I just want to point out that one of those draws that they got was in Houston, where very rarely, very rarely did the team even get a point. So they are getting they're, – they're a very off, on and off team. That yeah. they, One day they'll, they'll be excellent and one day they'll be just, you know, the, the worst team in the league. So it's very hard to judge them. Ethan Finley's goal to yesterday did come after a Calvo. He did a roulette inside the box and got a shot off. But, yeah, it was still an ugly goal. But it's definitely a three points that they should have uh, on Wednesday. They, it, should yeah. be, like, it should be something that they should. And they sh- they sh- it shouldn't be a close game either. They should be able to put them away early and then just step on their neck and then just end it. Really yeah, but they good. couldn't do that. That couldn't. That, that didn't happen on the, uh, yesterday. Well, yeah, they've never been our, able to do it against anyone. Our, that, our cells a team that's, I know they're kind of, they're, but they're kind of on the cusp of the playoffs. Uh, they Petke still might have not, hope. Petke not, might not agree, but uh, they're still on the cusp. And yeah. they have some kind of veteran talent that's been in there in the MLS for a while. I, so. I actually think RSL's right in it. Yeah, I think they're decent too. They have played more games, but San Jose... And Dallas are right in amongst them. It's like, if RSL string a, a set of results together, they could make it. And if we ended up finishing third, we would end up playing them at home. I'd be happy with them, Dallas, or, or San Jose, to be, to be honest. So you home. say you'd be happy with Dallas? Yeah, the way that they're playing just now. In a, in a one-game one knockout they're, thing? Yeah, their form isn't good, but that's the thing. One-game knockout. They, but it would be here, and they're, they, yeah, they suck here. That's better than going there. I think one of the big questions going into Wednesday's game is what happens with the lineup. Yes. There's a game coming up on Saturday against Columbus. Exactly. You have to feel that's a tougher game. Is this a game then that Robo's going to try and give some of the fringe guys a, a little run out? Because they have done well when they've had their opportunity. Are you thinking Orlando away? Y- yeah. I no, thought I- Alfonso Davies coming in to start would make sense yeah. just because how bad the Minnesota defence is, how bad Michael Boxall and Cole are yeah. and somebody like Davies running at that lack of mobility should really reap dividends I, I personally think, yeah I agree with that I think the back four stays the same I think Elstead is in goal um, I think I think Reina because he was subbed off I think he could start again um, I, and the only one I, I, the one I would like to start, but he played ninety minutes was Montero, and yeah. I think he might he might come maybe as a sub instead, and maybe they they put on Hurtado, uh, Bernie, or oh, put yeah. on Shea as, as up top or something like that. Oh, he might, please, please not Shea. Up top. I, I know you don't want Shea, but I, I'd rather have him up top than play wing and <laughs> make a defensive I, under. Not playing yeah. defense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to also wonder, will they give Mosquito the run out instead of Reyna? But I, 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 I would go with Reyna. I feel I, you I, have I, to get these points. Did you yeah, see I, what happened with Mosquito at the game? Were you watching? Yeah. yeah. Took him, they scored. They, they yeah, took he, him was, off. he was ready to go on. They called him like, back. No, 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 they no, took, no. They took the paper back. Yeah. And did you see what he did, though? No. Very smart. He didn't go and sit down or go warm up. He stayed, and not right in front, but he stood like near the edge of the technical area, like almost in front of the coaches. Like, no, I'm ready. I'm. And so then a minute or two, I'm not no, saying I, that's, I'm I, not saying that's why they put him. I, up, I think they had to maybe give him some different instructions at this at that point because maybe maybe there were some adjustments or something yeah. like that. That's probably what they were figuring. Yeah, don't out. give away the ball cheaply. I yeah, was the... we've only got one goal to play with now, so don't mess things up. The DM position. Ali Gazal played 90 minutes. Robo did say it kind of put him at risk for playing on Wednesday. 
And he also talks as well that he had originally planned just for Ali to play 60 minutes, but he was enjoying watching him play. So he kept him on for the full 90 minutes. An unusual coaching tactic, but do do you think Gazal and Chani do it again? I think it's going to be AJ. I think we're going to see AJ and Chani come in. I think it could be AJ and De Jong. They did it in Orlando. They could do it again. That's the thing as well, because could Chani go three games in a week and then you really want him to play against his old side yeah but he is I think a booking away from getting a suspension yeah I don't think I don't think Ali G and TT play three games this week three you know 75 plus minutes games so who do you put out on Wednesday I I I like your suggestion Steve of uh of AJ and and Marcel just yeah. If it's not Marcel, then Russell. You put Russell out there. Who wasn't even the 18. He, he got relegated no, to the bell box. You know, I, I don't know if they were... Uh, Sorry, the, the box. The, <laughs> they, they, they didn't remark this at all. Uh, there was, I don't think there was any reports. I saw him limping a little bit when no, he was going. No no. no, no, there was a limp when in the uh, uh, press box in the halftime when I saw him. No, that was just to throw you guys off. I saw him after. Okay. He was walking fine. Okay. No, I'm not saying there was a major limp. I just he think just wanted to a, give you guys something to write about. Okay. That's it. Hmm. So, what's your prediction then for Wednesday? Um, I'd say I I, I want the three uh, nil victory, Vancouver. Wow, wow! I expect I expect them to do that. I'll be disappointed. They should be ashamed. of So it's going to be one. Nil, it's going to be one nil to Minnesota. Then I'm going to go four nil Whitecaps. Ooh! <laughs> you guys have been spending too much one time on Anna. I'm going to change my bet to one dollar. <laughs> So are you going for five nil victory? No, definitely not. Um, I think it. They, they should win, so I'll say three one. Marius Rovda coming on, getting the the yeah, he, goal. yeah, totally. Of course, love that guy. Two more big games coming up, as we said, Minnesota on Wednesday. That's the one that everyone's expecting them to comfortably win, which is always a bad thing. Then Saturday, Columbus come to town, Kikuta Mani might come back to town. It's hard to know what's going to happen with him. He didn't play today, was on the bench, wasn't brought on as a sub. Maybe they're saving him to try and do something special against Vancouver on Saturday. Or maybe he doesn't want to play on the turf. It could be Thierry Henry. <laughs> oh, possibly. Oh, I had to bite my tongue. I was going to say something that I'm not supposed to say. But of course, the other thing is Tony Chani <laughs> is going to hopefully be playing against his former side. And I got a chance to catch up with Tony at training just to ask him about how he feels the move to Vancouver has gone how settled he is here, and what it's going to be like for him facing a club that he's been with so many times. Here's Tony Chani. So, Tony, you've had quite a few months now in Vancouver. How have you enjoyed yourself here since the move? Well, I think everything, everything is going pretty quite well, you know, because... The first few weeks were a little bit tougher, you know, because coming from Columbus and being in Vancouver, it's just like adjusting to a new city, to a new club. And I think so far, so good, you know, all the guys, the coaches, like, they welcome me with um, open arms. I feel like everything is going well so far. Now, the move when it came about, obviously last year you, you weren't really in the mix at Columbus. Did you know that they were looking to move you or did it kind of come a little bit out of the blue? You know, you know it's something that, like, I think we talk a little bit about, you know, it was something that, like, you know, uh, as a coach, you know, like, what my situation was, you know, if the case was, like, if if he didn't see myself be, like, a contributor, you know, like, a, somebody was going to contribute, you know, like, I told him, like, it's either, either remove me or, or choose something good for me, you know, so it was something, like, 
I, I was waiting for it, but I wasn't sure that it was going to happen that soon. Now, you've come into the team here. You've had a couple of different formations. You've had the two-man. You've had the, the 4-1-4-1, playing alongside AJ and Matty, and now, obviously, Ali's in as well. Have you enjoyed having the different mix of formations and giving you a different kind of role this year? Yeah, for sure, you know, because those guys, you know, training with those guys, I think they're both good players. You know, it's something like, you know, in any teams that you play with, you know, like the mix is always good, you know, because you never know. We, injuries can happen and suspension can happen or whatever can happen, you know, so or for other reasons. I feel like just adapting with those guys was was pretty easy because, like, I trained with them, you know, I, I know what kind of player they are, you know, because... I have to like sometimes adjust my game based on who I'm playing with. You know, it's something that like as a player you have to know what the difference is. You know, because like sometimes you just can get used to play with one guy because you never know team can change and because of certain circumstances. You know, I feel like those things are the thing. Like I think I did put away in adapting and moving forward. You've got three goals in the year. Where has this heading ability come from? You've not been a guy that's really been known for for headed goals before. Oh, you know, it's just like just making good runs, you know, because like I know like in the league, I think my previous goals mostly come with my foot, you know, just hitting the ball with my feet. But I feel like it's just like good movement and just being open in the box, you know, and just taking my chances, you know, because I feel like if I make a good run and I'm like wide open, I just have to make a good connection to the ball and make sure that I hit on target because whenever you hit the ball on target, some. Either two, two things happen, either a goal or the goal could save it. Now, the 2015 season that you had with Columbus, that's probably the best season that you maybe had in, in MLS in, in your eight seasons so far. When you look back at that, making it to the MLS Cup, you had six goals, a lot of assists. Do you see that as like your best season that you've had in your career to date? <sighs> you know, like based on stats, I'd probably say yes. But if I'm thinking about like, my abilities and the way I like to play, I, f- I, f- I would say no, because I feel like people base a lot of people like are based on about stats. To me, stat doesn't really matter, you know, like because I feel like what you can bring on the team is sometimes it's not about stats. It's all about like maybe like you there for the players, you there, you, there, you get on the ball, you know, you're confident, like you make good passes, you know, you connect with the guys and stuff like that. I feel like those things are the thing that really matters because stats really doesn't really like stats is a good. Save it for yourself, you know. But I feel like, in general, I feel like just having those stats can't really judge a player, you know, because there's guys that give a lot on the field, but they don't really score goals or whatever. But you know, like they're really like big part of the team. You know, I feel like 2015 was just like a big season for all of us, you know, just not me. It was just like a good because that year we had like a lot of guys hitting like some crazy stats, you know. You got a guy like Ethan Finley. That had like double double, you know, double goals and double assists. That's something that is really good and really hard to do, you know. You got a guy like Kai Kamara who scored 27, you know. So those are the things that played just, it was just like the whole group in general. It wasn't just just myself. And obviously, you're going to be facing your, your old club very soon. We've seen it already this year Freddie against Seattle, Breck against Orlando. Are you going to kind of raise your game a little bit? Are you going to have mixed emotions against a team that you were with for so long? No, really, because uh, every time I play, every, every game to me just like all the other games, you know. Not because we're going to play against Columbus that I'm going to try to do too much because I feel like sometimes when you put pressure on yourself, you probably don't give your best or you don't play your best. You know, I feel like I just have to go and just 
put the man down, play against another team, and we trying to get into the playoff. You know, it's not me against Columbus, or it's not Manegas against uh, the Whitecaps. You know, because I feel like it's all about like. Uh, Whitecaps against Vancouver, we're trying to get to the playoff. They're trying to get to the playoff. You know, it's all about the battle. It's not about me against that team or money against them. You know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. You know, if it, because people might think, oh, it's a, you play against your former team, you have to do a stress. I'm not. It's not about me. It's all about the whole team, like raising our game and trying to win. You know, that's that's all matters. Just the very last thing, the team is starting to really hit its stride just now. It looks exciting as to what the team could do down the stretch do you feel this team has got what it takes to make a deep run into the playoffs yeah for sure we do because you can see like uh, in these past two weeks especially where we had those games like three games in a week you know it's tough you know we like mix up a little bit we got guys coming in that don't play a lot you got guys like that start maybe for the first game you got guys coming back from injuries you know it's for so many reasons you know you, you can select the guys are willing to work because in training like it's very hard you know we're like working hard for each other we're pushing each other like that's some that's that's really good because you never know like I said something can happen like we can have an injury we can have a like, suspension or whatever we just hope that the next guy stepping in can at least do can give at least Nani. 90%, if not 100%, you know, that will help the team. It's not about, like, one or two guys, you know. I always believe that the team is all about 11 and possibly 18 players or maybe 22 players because we are training. They are the guy pushing us, you know, because we cannot train on ourselves. I feel like those guys helping up, raising our game, and I think we're pushing them, resident game, just in case they have, they have to step up. That's great. Thanks so much for your time today, Tony, and good luck for the rest Thank of the season. Thank you. Thanks so much. Tony is a wonderful guy. He's had wonderful moments. He's had a good season. He's had an up and down season, I, I should say. Um, he had a great debut, I yeah, thought. Then and then, and then kind of dipped bit, a little bit. Yeah. Hit, like the team, yeah. his consistency has really been up and up and down. I, I said it I said it on the, I think, last week's show. If you're looking for someone to partner Ali G in the middle of midfield and you want a double shield, hold their conversation. You want... Spring AJ, or you want summer TT? True. So we, we got summer TT yesterday. And, of course, Ali Ghazal made his debut. What did you guys think of that? Were you pleased with how he played? I thought he had a solid game. I, I thought, it for especially for our first performance, and not having played who knows since when. He, he didn't play with the Chinese team he was with. He he played some cup games and oh, reserve games. But, yeah. but it was no, nothing. No, nothing like significant. No. Respect to Ali G. Ah, you got it right this time. Yeah, it's great. I saw. I didn't like. Didn't Vancouver's like Twitter account like use a GIF of him or something? Oh, I don't know. I think it was a respect one. So, Ali and TT just now are your your two defensive midfielders. Seems like it. Yep. We added a surprise, a big surprise, because the Whitecaps actually got to break a transfer on their own (laughs) without somebody (laughs) scooping them. Nigerian midfielder, box to box, Noza John Smith. Ijibor. No, okay. <laughs> he has a Noza for Gola. Oh, uh, yeah, it was a complete surprise. I didn't expect it. Obviously, I thought there was, you know, uh, he was a free agent, so they could yeah. sign him. There was it's, no transfer going on. It's Noza, not Noza? No, I said Noza. Okay, good. As in Boza. What? 
Italian deli. Get great coffee and sandwiches. Are they a sponsor of the show now? Maybe they are now. But Ali and Titi knows it on the horizon. What does this mean for the likes of Tiber and Jacobson in particular moving forward? Is, is there any role at this club for Russell Tybert now? Even when you go out and you buy like a, a nice, sharp, let's say, hunting knife, do you then throw away your Swiss Army knife? No, you keep it. If it's blunt and I don't feel it's much use anymore, yes. <laughs> oh, Michael. So you, you, you basically feel Russell is a, a, uh, a I, blunt knife. I think Russell – no, you do uh, – <laughs> I think both Rusty and AJ have a role to play, especially in a salary budget concept. Exactly, because someone has to be in the bell box signing autographs before the game. So that was Russell yesterday. Um, I I I felt so bad. I think the one. I think the one it does. Did he not sign your stuff? No, I didn't go. I don't go to the. (laughs) Oh man! I think the one guy does maybe sound because he also announced that he was thanked racing for um, or racing for or for you know they're showing their interest. I think Matisse Lava might be showing the oh yes, I mean it's it's clearly the end of my. He's in Argentina right now, isn't he? Oh, I don't know. I don't stalk players on social media no, like I you and I thought, I, I thought I saw somewhere that he was in Argentina. But, but Nosa, Nosa is soundly signed for this year. The rest of this yes, year. The other two are options. for 2018 yes. and 2019. So there's no guarantee that he stays on. No, he might not like it here. Uh, yeah. He might. He's, I mean, he's coming at the rainy season, which is always great for an African player to, to come to. I wonder if he knows that that's only a club option. He has no say whatsoever. Does he know that? <laughs> I wonder if he knows <laughs> that. He knows that. <laughs> You have to think he, it is going to I, work out, though. I, I can't wait till the headlines if he scores oh, a goal I, or something. It's gonna I'm be... looking forward to it. Yeah. Like, Noza blows the game open or something. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of running from Noza. Yeah. Oh, man. Ah, this is going to be great. But Jacobson, I would be sad to see move on because, like, you're talking about Swiss Army knives. For me, Andrew Jacobson is Mr. Versatility. And he's done well. He also, though, has good value, I think, in MLS. I think we could get something decent for him. Third-round draft pick or another international spot will probably what it ends up being. But you, you do have to... You really to... think a third-round draft pick is valuable no, in MLS? No, I'm, I'm joking. That's what I'm saying. I think okay. it will end up being... I, I do like AJ. I and do I, too. I feel he has a role to play here. Matty Laba, he's injured just now. He's not going to be back till maybe April or May. How difficult is it to then keep everything... You have to either pick up his option or hope that a club is willing to take a gamble and sign an injured player. It's a very difficult situation uh, because I don't think they're going to want to take his option for what it's probably worth or what we guess it's worth. I don't think the player's going to want to accept reduced wages, especially because it's known that there is interest in him. But then with him being injured, it just makes it all the, right. the more difficult. It'll be interesting to see if there's if, if Rassing or another club would come in for him, even though he is injured. Yeah. Yes, you thought it was over, but it's the Flash Top 5, or Top 5 Flash. I can't remember what it was. Flash 5? Uh, flash it's only two words. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, we're Wait, not, go for us this week. Well, with Nosa signing, um, uh, we're going to look into the Top 5 Africans that have played African-born players that have played for the Whitecaps. 
Oh, now, Mustafa Jarji's number one. No. <laughs> well, speaking of somebody who didn't like it as soon as he got off the plane. Uh, no, no. L- it, literally. Yeah. No, he didn't make it on the So just, just white caps, African players, yes. or MLS? No, white no, caps. Uh, white caps. I'm going back to 2003. I, I, okay. I didn't have time to go too far back. Um, so I, I just, it was basically USL and on. Okay. And, oh, and, uh, looking forward to this. So um, honorable mentions. Uh, we're going to give an honorable mentions to Coda's favorite player, Alex Morfa. Uh, didn't play too much. Um, Ali Ghazal only played one game, but he's very close to hitting that top five. Um, Ridge Babulu, uh, remember that one goal he scored um, in in the last season? I think it was the, fantastic. The boot that scored that goal yeah. is still in our football room. And Tony Chani, who is close as well. Now, number five, we're going to start off with Nizar Kalfan. Uh, tens, wait, tens, wait, tens, wait, tens wait, 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 wait! You got to go back. You forgot. I know you said born. You didn't include Maluda Cool in the honorable oh, mention. Oh, Maluda Cool, okay. Maluda Cool, uh, honorable mention. He is an Algerian citizen. Yes. Uh, born in France. Um, I do I do agree with you. He should be an honorable mention just for the fact that he uh, shared beers with the Southsiders way back If then. I'd known we were going to be doing this, I would have worn my Maluda Cool training top oh. that I got in Portland in 2010 that he threw to the crowd. No. I, I have a Malu- I snatched it out of the air before a kid could get it. Oh, <laughs> Malu- I have a Maluda Cool 2011 drink. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, number five, uh, Nizal Kalfan, like we t- said, that uh, that uh, from Tanzania. Um, uh, uh, nice hair. Very shifty winger. Uh, basically played um, from 2009 on. He, he played the first year in MLS. Didn't get too much time in MLS, but he did score that one goal late in the season when um, yeah, they finally yeah. decided to kind of let some of the younger players play. Against, and against of, RSL, wasn't it? I think it was RSL. It was the remake game called, because of the turf. Because Colorado. of the... Because and I think he jumped game. into the stands too a little bit after scoring that goal. I think it was him or somebody else. I can't remember. Uh, but he's number five. Number he, f- he, the dude, the dude liked to shoot. Yeah, he would shoot from anywhere. I mean, both in USL and when he was in MLS, he always wanted to shoot. There was no bad angle. Yeah. when it when it came when it came to Nizar, I think he, he hit the net about ten percent. Yeah, of the time. yeah, there was no size of goal yeah. for him either. He was also big. His uh, he played in a number of interesting games, but one of the ones that stands out for me, I think, was his role in the. 3-3 come from behind draw against Sporting, where yes. he almost won it. Yes. Yeah. Like, he, he would have been a good player in that three-net soccer. Remember that uh, we tried to create that game? Uh, yeah. With three-net soccer when they have a uh, – I still think that will catch Scored the first net, scored the second net, third net. Uh, we had fun times in uh, residency. Yes. Um, okay, so next player, Alfonso Davies. Yes, Canadian citizen, but he was born in Ghana. Um, is uh, so, um, a Liberian as uh, yeah. Ghana refugee camp, yeah. and then but was like was Liberian. Um, so well, number he four, was then. he's not still Liberian. He's still Liberian, I guess. Yeah, but he's uh, now a Canadian citizen, so you know you gotta shake it off. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to my movie Alfonso the Liberian, based on Conan the Librarian. Conan the Barbarian, or Liberian. Conan the Librarian was a spoof thing that... Oh, okay. In England, um, I'm assuming? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> what's his name? Weird Al Yankovic oh, did yes. in the film I do UHF. Remember, I do remember oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Good, good movie. Um, number... First stretch. <laughs> number three, Ansu Torre. Oh, Another yeah. guy from Liberia. Uh, played two years, 2009 to 2010, before he moved on to Switzerland. Scored a few goals. None more memorable than the brace against TFC. Yes, which I have footage off on the AFT in Canada YouTube account, so check that out. It was the, that was a 2-0 game, right? Yeah. yeah. And so to And so to Running up the wing, hear the south side sing. And so to Good times. Number two, Kakura Mane will be coming back. 
this week, and he is number two. Are we going to debate this order later? I don't like this order. No, it's a strange order, but it's, it's Steve's section. My list. You can debate all you want. Um, number two is Kakuta Mani. Uh, made a massive impact right yes. off the bat, and and if not for injuries and maybe a little bit of laziness, he would be. <laughs> he would still be with the Whitecaps. Uh, um, a little we'll bit. Call him late. I'm hoping to speak Th- to him those, later in the week. Th- those are strong words. I, I would I'll, say. I said a little bit. Is. His, dedica- his dedication to his craft is different than other people, I would say. Yeah. But he will always be remembered for the, the hat trick in Seattle. In Seattle, and then 100%. The, and then the only goal also later to win both those games, basically. He won, he won us the Cascadia Cups away yes, in Seattle like two still, years in a row. And the thing yeah. is, he's still only 22. He has a long career. Ahead Wait, he's of not him. 16? No, he's not 16. That hat trick he got in Seattle... I, it's like one of the best White Cats performances that I've seen in USL MLS. Wow. Yeah, yeah. MLS. Playing next, playing alongside of a fine striker named Camilo. And playing as an out and out striker as yeah. well. In a 4 2 2. Sorry, 4 4 2. And so my, who's and, number one? I'm excited. And, and mind for this. you, remember this top five is right now. Is, so obviously this could change in the future. This is like, number this one. Is yes. Number one on the list. Number, number one, one in my heart. Number one, yes. Uh, <laughs> a brother from another mother for with Zach um, uh, Gershon Kofi. No, uh, I knew Michael would not agree <laughs> with this one for sure. So here, debate away. <laughs> so goal against Portland in the cup in his first year, in the first two minutes of play, percent of games where he disappeared. <laughs> According to you. <laughs> According to Carl Robinson, who ditched him as well. Uh, yeah, that's not... He was very inconsistent. I would not have him as the number one African. Who would you be? Who I'd have Kikuta. Oh. What? Re- you? Mm. Wow. I'm I like Kikuta. Okay. You, are you just saying that because you want to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm speaking to me later in the week. But, no, it's, no. A good, it's a good list. I, I, it's a good list. That I, was a, that was a fun one. It's hard. Nothing I, to do I, with Canadians. It was I, great. <laughs> That's why you kept your headset on the yeah. whole time. <laughs> it was hard to. Um, I, I, I guess you resisted the urge to put Alfonso higher up, which I think was probably smart. Yeah. Um, don't don't pump his tires too much. Who's number five again? Uh, number five was Nizar Kafan. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was actually wasn't that bad. The order. That's very nice of you. Yeah, good job, Steve. Yeah. What's that? It sounds like it's the ice cream man, and you know what that means. I'm going to sit down and have a chat about ice cream with a white cap. This week, Robert Earnshaw. It's a hot day, you're outside with family, you decide you want to get an ice cream. What would be your ice cream flavour of choice? Whew. See, me, I'm a big ice cream guy. Um, but for me, the classic is always, you know, I'm a classic guy because uh, for me, vanilla, I, I, I've always loved vanilla since I was young and I still love it now. For me, I, the go-to is vanilla. Because well, flake. I just bought some flakes the other day, so I did could you? do that myself. No, yeah. no, no. I've never liked flakes. <gasps> yeah, so I was, you know, I used to go to the ice cream van. I remember when I was 12, go to the ice cream van, and uh, I said, oh, like, get an ice cream. They put a flake in it. I always used to pull it out, give it to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but no, not for me. No, no flakes. 
you know, I love the I love the Hagen Dazs, the the Ben and Jerry's, the the vanilla ice cream, but uh, I think that's my go-to. Ice cream man, up on my street. I heard your truck today. Any, any, any ice cream man, up on my block now. Your chimes, your chimes, they. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, You're listening to the AFTN podcast. Pressure. Ice, ice, baby. It's what I thought of. I never never even thought of under pressure by Queen. I tell you who is not under pressure, Carl Robinson, if they keep grinding out results and how the White Cats are climbing to the top of the table. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory from the University of British Columbia. So so why do we have under pressure then, Steve? Well, uh, I personally think Freddie Mercury is the greatest frontman in, like, of any band. Mm. I personally think my personal feelings. I know you guys. Uh, if it was a flash top five, he would be number one. Max Splodge from Splodginess abounds. Nah. Okay, why, why are you talking about Freddie Mercury? Because his birthday was last week on fe- uh, September fifth. And we always do things for folks yeah. dead in this show. Okay. He it- he would have been fifty one. No, he must have been way more than that. He was born in forty six. So my math is yeah. Your math is, is off. <laughs> seventy one. He would have yeah. been seventy one. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the I, 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 that's why just a little tribute to him. That's nice. I actually thought it was Ice Ice Baby when you started it. Yeah. Okay. So that okay. That and was David Bowie died earlier this year too. Yeah. Okay. Because that, that was last year. Was last that year. was that joint by <laughs> that song's joint by Queen and Bowie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I always just thought it was a Bowie song. Like in my I, I still thought it was Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> An interesting East Five fact coming up for you now in the AFTN fanzine when we were a fanzine back in Scotland. I actually did a rap version of Ice Ice Baby, Fife Fife Baby. And where can we get a hold of this? I, I, can, I can sing it for you now if you want. No, wait, wait, do Fife, Fife Baby. Wait, do, 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 do we have to put explicit do, do, lyrics do, do, do. on this? No, it was oh. good. I said, stop. Come on, listen. We are the Fife. We're on a mission. Heading up from Division 2. It kind of went on like that. Wait, you, okay. If you do, if you keep going, can we drop wavelength for tonight or... <laughs> I, I will record this for a future wavelength. How about that? Sure. Okay. Can we listen to it ahead of time to pre-approve it? Maybe. <laughs> what is that music? It's Headlines. Headlines is brought to you by bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for news, links, nationally, internationally, and locally. Check them out every day for all your football news. So this week in headlines, um, a couple of a, a couple of groupings of stories. First of all, I'm going to uh, talk about the stories that just missed the cut, and maybe you guys want to talk about them. Um, supplements, big problem for UEFA and doping cases. So there, there's some supplements that are have some stuff that might be illegal, um, and and it's causing issues because people are thinking this is players are thinking this is uh, something that is normal to have. It's on the over the counter. It's not illegal, but it turns out. In the, in the test that there is something in there that is against the rules and stuff like that. 
Um, another, well, Maria Sharapova, yeah. of course, fell guilty for taking some stuff. The, the problem is everybody uses that excuse now, too. Yeah. They say they, they just took supplements. It wasn't a thing. So it's hard to judge where it ends and where it starts. Um, another one, uh, uh, a kind of follow-up story from last year. English soccer player banned for FA Cup pie-eating bet stunt. I think he's officially banned from English. The Sutton United yeah. player coach? Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it was really a, a, a harmless bet, it seemed like, but I guess they took, took an issue with it's it. It's not a harmless bet when you're, invo- when you're involved, man. He was trying to make his friends money. What's wrong with that? But it had nothing to do That's with That's against the whole... <laughs> it had nothing to do with the game, though. It was just no, about I just a pie. pie. If bookmakers are stupid enough to offer odds on a fat guy eating a pie... During a game. During a game, then they're asking for it. Uh, a feel-good story, a refugee um, who oh, yeah, lost fingers one. to frostbite chasing soccer dreams is about a, 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 a Ghanaian. Um, Keeping um, our African theme. Yeah, um, who basically, okay, I'll really go quick synopsis. He went from um, Africa to Brazil to join a team. There he got outed as being a bisexual man, so he basically got out of there quickly because he was being pro- uh, persecuted. Came to the U.S., they w- refused his uh, refugee status or asylum status. So basically him and a friend walked d- during the dead of winter. They kind of got lost and tried to walk from USA to Canada. I'm not sure exactly where it was in USA but they were walking, but it was up north, so it was obviously cold. He lost his fingers. He made it across. They did surgery, and now he's joined the team the uh, Manit- in the Manitoba Super League or whatever that is, and he's playing on there. He doesn't have any more fingers, but... He's he's kind of leading the team up the table. He's so. the captain or something. He's, the, he's yeah. been named the, the captain. The Manitoba Super League or whatever it's called. Whatever it's that's called. What, I can't remember favorite. now. So th- th- that's that, that a feeling story. That, that was a really nice story. Yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised. It was just amazing step by step all the things that was going yeah. on with him. I think I think TSS maybe give him a, give I, him a run. I think there's a yeah. joke in there about it being a feel-good story when the guy doesn't have any fingers. But yeah. I, I won't. Well, oh my God, I can't believe you went there. <laughs> oh, I don't know if anyone was going to make a joke. I thought like, you were oh, going to. You have to I, hand I, it to Zach. I then. just couldn't believe that you would go. The guy lost fingers, man. That's terrible. Yeah. And you're saying a feel-good story. he made it to the place that was going to That's right. He's Canada. playing football. Yeah. That's, he made it and to Canada. And yet TSS Rovers should get him. For sure. I think so. Does if that he, count? As long as he's permanent resident, he qualifies. Well, so, how good is the level of the Manitoba? Manitobas? How good were TSS well, Rovers he, last season? Well, he was in. They were a joy to watch. He went to Brazil, though. He got to think of that. He went to Brazil only when left because of that situation. Um, so, and, uh, more stories. Uh, 2018 World Cup, he, because he was outed. I that's thought why he went he to Brazil on holiday, though. No, he went to Brazil to join a team. Oh, I did not know that. No, team. that's the reason why. Um, so, uh, 2018 World Cup uh, boxing tournament planned in Russia to tackle 2018 World oh, Cup. Yeah, Olympics. this is fantastic. And then also another one about the 2018 World Cup. FIFA orders Senegal and South Africa to replay due to corrupt officiating. Mm. And it was a referee from Ghana. It showed no. They, it didn't <laughs> show that they had any evidence that he was uh, fixing the game or anything. They just, it was just a, a call that was horrendous, though. It hit his knee. It was clearly it hit his knee, and they called it a handball. So it was a okay, very— Okay, Drew, Drew Fisher in the Voyager's Cup? <laughs> but uh, you guys' thoughts on those two stories? Anybody? The boxing one is fantastic. Because it looks like Serbia's qualified. Yeah. <laughs> and Serbia and Russia with the Russian hooligans, that's just a disaster waiting to happen with what England the, there as what well. If, what if Polish make it there? Yeah. The, it does have the makings of being a very chaotic World Cup. 
Let's, just, sorry. Make, let's just make this right now. I will not be going to Russia at all. <laughs> if Scotland make it, I'm going to go. Oh, yeah. I've decided, yeah, because yeah. this might be my only chance to ever see Scotland in a World Cup. I just told the I just told the wife that only if Canada makes it, will I go. So, I'm well, out. that's out now. Yeah, I'm out. Mm. I, I I will represent AFT in there then. <laughs> and if I don't make it back, you you can do you know how to do the show for sure. Yeah, twenty 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 six World Cup. Um, some stories about that. Uh, one headline, only crazy action, in quotes, uh, by Trump can stop the U.S.-led 2026 World Cup, says executive. So that's never going to happen. He no. doesn't do anything crazy. Um, another one is 2026 World Cup can show off region, U- unified region uh, by another executive in CONCACAF. Um, the 41 cities was announced about who is open to hosting the 2026 World Cup. He's uh, Steve. Uh, oh, Ma- Michael's asking you to point your face towards yeah, the microphone. Yeah, I'm reading and pointing, so I'm I trying know, to do the both. It's tough. Yeah. So you, the, you so, could move your mic. So U.S. Uh, yeah, you want to hear the noise about that then? <laughs> I know. What's with the squeakiness in here? <laughs> That's his chair. No, it's not. Okay, so um, <laughs> that's the mouse. The Kraus, uh, like the the forty one cities, the forty one cities across USA, uh, Canada, and Mexico. Okay, so there's was six yes. in Canada, right? Six in Canada. Six in Canada. So I've heard other people talking that like, oh, maybe each city will get one and no, two. No, I, I'm just like, that's crazy. That's not going to happen. And, and, and the thing was, it was mentioned in not this article, but a different article where the, it said forty thousand needed at least for to host a group game. Yeah, and eighty thousand to host the opening or the final. So, oh. in, in fact, if that the case is... That rules the, out BMO. Yes. The final will be either in L.A., New York, New Jersey, or in Texas. Dallas, Those are the only cities that are above uh, 80,000. Not Santa Clara? No. Oh. They, 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 I, don't, I don't see their mention so, at all. So, BMO... Yeah, there. Oh. BMO's not at the 40,000, but I think they can make it. They can ex- expand, they can yeah. It, yeah. But, that's, but, but they ruled out Rogers. And yeah. they ruled out uh, Stad Saputo. Yeah. Those, mm-hmm. those are two they ruled out out of so, the city. So, um, no, there was one other city that got dropped. I can't remember which one it is. Calgary. 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 Calgary it, was, it, was, it was two. It was one city and three stadiums. Um, so that means that Vancouver is not an option for the opening game. Definitely not. Okay. I thought we might have got it. I thought that yeah, might have Yeah, I, I genuinely did. Hmm. That's disappointing. So that means Canada won't open the tournament. No. It'll be Mexico then. Or the we US. might have the second game. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the second day, first game or something, Canada, yeah. BC Place. Uh, I just have all six games at BC Place. Uh, is anyone kind of uh, anxious about Stade Olympique in Montreal? Like, but the, falling the apart? Might fall yeah, in, yeah, like crazy stuff. Well, I, I would assume if they're picked, they're going to like spend a lot of money on doing it up. Which is kind of seems um, useless. Well, not useless, but it seems... Maybe not like a crazy wise investment in the long run. But that's the thing with World Cups, with Olympics, with Winter Olympics. There's so many white elephants. When you went, I went to to Greece and to Athens not long after the Athens Olympics, and none of the venues were being used. They were just basically big white elephants. Another story about uh, uh, kind of about the 2026 World Cup, also about the qualifications. Bruce Arena came out with a, uh, oh, an article. Yeah, United States immigration policies are inspiring the uh, their opponents, basically. And it's kind oh, of man. a weird thing. It's a weird thing to latch onto because I don't think any of the players are really concerned about it at no. all. They want to make it the World Cup. That's their big. That's I, their inspiration. I really don't think Costa Rica took the pitch. Going, you know what? We're going to beat the Yanks just to show them that Trump's immigration policy is wrong. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very weird comment. 
Yeah. They just but want Bruce to make Arena, Bruce Arena is a very strange kind and, of guy. And Bruce is coming off of taking one out of six points. He should be talking about the mistakes that they yeah. made tactically. It's just and it's as deflecting. It's, it's deflecting yeah. stuff. Totally. Totally. I mean, in, in some ways, it's good management because it, it's deflecting stuff. But yeah. So last a couple articles, uh, kind of about supporters and owners. Um, one was supporters direct lobbies uh, for tougher fit and proper people test for owners, which there can definitely get, needs to be. Can we get one of those? <laughs> Only in the UK at the moment. No, uh, and also, Bundesliga's 50 plus one rule must end for clubs to com- meet, compete. Kali Rummenigge yeah. made, made the statement. Uh, I really appreciate him, uh, but he, oh, this, we're not talking about Canada. Are you okay? <laughs> My ears hurt. Okay. Um, I really appreciate Kali Rummenigge, all he's done at Bayern. Uh, he was a part of the the big uh, club group in Europe as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, what well, it's basically supporters are owning like fifty percent. Like, yeah, team. members. Members own fifty members, plus one. Yeah. So the problem is there's yeah there's four clubs that have kind of circumvented that uh, over the years in different ways in different scenarios. The first two I don't have a problem with uh, Leverkusen and Wolfsburg. They're like company teams that they're for their workers. I yeah. didn't really have. But the other two everyone hates. Yeah, it's Hoffenheim and a Red Bull and Dead Bull and Leipzig. Yeah, actually we had we had to do. Just side story. We had a dude. There was a dude wandering around two or three, two or four at the weekend, wearing an ultra shirt with like a little uh, kind of like fisherman's hat, and everyone, everyone's like, "Okay, we, we gotta go talk." <laughs> so he comes down and whatever. We're talking to him, and I was like, "Oh, where, like, where are you from?" He's or someone's like, "Oh, where's your shirt from?" He's like, "My shirt's from Poland, but I'm from Germany." <laughs> like, "Oh, we're in Germany." He's like, "Leipzig," and I was like, "Oh no." And I was like, um, but his shirt was said ultras on it, so I was pretty sure he was dead bull because no one, no one supports them there. Um, and so, not no one supports them there, but no ultras support them there. And uh, he was like, no, I hate, I hate, oh, I hate dead bull. And he hung out. It was nice. I thought your story was going to end. He was a no. Leipzig fan. You beat the crap out of him. <laughs> yeah, no, that would have been in the boxing part. No, this is this is not a good thing in the long run. Cali uh, Rumenega ultimately said it should. They should make it like a pro-choice. Like it should be each club should be able to choose whatever they want. Each he said each club should be able to choose what they want to do. Do they want to um, keep with a fifty plus one for themselves? They value that, or do they want to uh, have outside investors or other investors? But then the danger with that is you are going to create a gulf. Yeah, because the money that's going to come in is going to be huge. It's like it's like Wimbledon. Yeah, in in League One, they just haven't got the budget to compete with all these other teams because they're fan-owned. Yeah. And there's other clubs that are fan-owned and they just don't have budgets. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, it's it's uh, an unfortunate scourge of modern football, but I really honestly hope... I'd rather see the Bundesliga stay at the quality it's at um, and keep some of its way of doing things than to give in and to, and to change things. Um, but that might hurt them in the, lo- in, the, in the long run. I hope it doesn't. Well, that was a, a good selection of headlines from bcsoccerweb.com this week. Check them out every day, bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, national and international news and links. So now, we don't have much of the show left, but it's time for my favourite section. It's Wavelength. And talking about beating the crap out of people, this is a song about football violence. It's from Wait, 19- what? <laughs> we condone it on the show, remember? <laughs> No, you condemned it. <laughs> we condemned, condemned it. You condemned it. All right, okay. Hashtag team condemned. It's from 1985 by The Business, English punk oi band, from their 1985 album Saturday's Heroes. This is the title track. This is 
Saturday's Heroes. The Business There from 1985 with Saturday's Heroes, the title track from their album, Saturday's Heroes. And uh, if you have any um, ability to watch video in the next little bit, look for links. Uh, Most likely from Zach if you want to see the live (laughs) version of that. I had no idea it was being recorded. (laughs) Can I tweet tweet that out? You can tweet that out. I might do this every week. My voice might not hold up for it every week. We might have to talk about that later. Oh, sure. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, that is pretty much it for this week's show. Want to just mention a couple of results. WFC 2 looks like their playoff dreams are over for this year. Oh, really? Yes. You guys did not believe me when I said that they could make a run to the end of the season. You were correct. <laughs> they lost 3-1 on Wednesday night against Tulsa. Bustos PK. Yeah. 
I enjoyed it. It was a great game. If you listen to the stream, you'll have heard myself and Corey Basso doing a fantastic job doing the commentary. That's, you know what? You two are, have great chemistry, I must admit. Yeah. I yeah. really enjoyed doing I, I the enjoyed games both you guys on there. WCFC2 played today. 0-0 draw with OKC Energy. Sean bad. Melvin, fantastic performance and goal. String of great saves. Great all-round defensive effort as well. Good weekend for WFC residency. Yep. Under-15s playing their first season in the USSDA. They got a, I think it was a 2-0 win over Portland Timbers. Under-16s, a 2-1 win. Sorry, under-17s, because they've changed it now. It's under-17 and under-19. So under-17s, a a 2-1 win over Portland. And the 19s, two goals from Theo Bear, two from Jose Hernandez, 4-0, Whitecaps over Timbers. Jose Hernandez, that's your favourite residency yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, him, him and Bernie Ibisi. But someone <laughs> picked Steve up on for... Oh, you know what? I want to mention that quickly too because, like, uh, honestly, I'm not... I, I, we, like, I'm going to hold up a number of fingers about how much we get paid. Like, how much do we get paid? How a many lot. fingers am I holding I, up? I pay you a lot. I didn't know you had that many you fingers. You get paid in chocolate. No, there's zero <laughs> fingers up. And so I don't have time and to figure out these, like, like the pronunciations. I got, like, two kids. So if you want to take a shot at me on Twitter, that's fine. Go ahead. Do people do if that? that if, if you, uh, a couple people have over the time. If, like, that you just know, means they love you, man. They uh, care. That's fine. Well, somebody said, do you want to call them out or something like that on, you know, for pronouncing the name. If you want to call me, I'll call me. Oh, that's fine. I don't care. I, I, I do everything, you know, just to for fun. It's not a big deal. Like guys like Terry Dunfield, they actually are being paid. Perry Solkowski yeah, is being if paid. Someone asked Steve was our Terry Dunfield. Well, I wish I was Terry Dunfield in some circumstances. <laughs> yeah, I checked with his wife, but, uh, and she said definitely not. So, um, but uh, like you know, you know, that's fine. Have a go at me. That's fine. I'm, I'm a big guy. I can take it. So one tweet we just want to, to read out just before we end the show from Angus Walker. Oh yeah. Um, he said, "I've never seen a GA area anywhere I've been in the UK." Um, apart from non-league clubs. Um, he does think, though, that scalpers owning big areas of the south side is a big issue. Okay, so two things. One, yeah, I don't think there's been... I don't think there is or there's been GA in the top couple of divisions. Top two divisions, definitely. S- not. There, there is it in, in League 1 and League 2, because Wimbledon have it. It's a GA section yeah. you can just wander so around. So I don't think it's been been in those levels since the Taylor report or something like that. Yeah, it's not like... <clears throat> although clubs are looking now at safe standing, but you still will have an allocated seat. Right. So when you... Yeah, when you can't conduct yourself properly, you can't have nice things. Um, but the rest of the world... Um, it, it is a part of uh, supporter culture, ultra culture. Germany, especially. Yeah, of course. And yeah. Anyways, uh, I think I think the I think the I think the culture in, in the, the supporter culture in MLS is not very British. And so, yeah, that's not the model. I don't think anyone's looking to replicate here, unless you're talking about unless you're talking about the Holmesdale fanatics at at you know um, Selhurst Park for Crystal Palace or the Green Brigade or. There's one or two other things that have sprung up at lower divisions. I think there's some people at Swindon. Yeah, the Green Brigade do some some great stuff yeah. with Celtic. Motherwell's got a really good section as well. So so aside from those British examples, yeah, you know, you look yeah. to places like Germany, you look to some places in South America, and I think those are more the models that people are, are looking to. Anyway, that is it for this week's show. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at Whitecaps Beat. And if you want to have a go, have a go. 
Uh, on uh, the tweet box, I'm uh, at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the movement Curva Collective. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Also, the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. So that is it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Take care. And mourn the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.